Welcome to Health System CIO's Partner Perspective Interview Series. I'm Anthony Guerra, founder and editor-in-chief. Today we're talking with Gus Malazis, president and CEO at Improvada, about how health systems are navigating their COVID vaccine rollouts, why identity is a key to any digital transformation strategy, and how he's working to ensure Improvada can meet its customers' future needs. Gus, thanks for joining me today. Anthony, a pleasure to be here. All right, Gus, a little bit about your organization and your role over there. Uh, Improvada has been in the business of providing digital identity for healthcare now for you know coming up in 20 years. We're very proud of the work that we do. And frankly, we look at our customers as being the providers, the doctors, the nurses, and how do we give them something that's efficient uh, so that we can help in their IT access. Uh, but we also look at CIOs and CISOs and compliance officers uh, as part of our customer base. So how do we give that technology in a secure manner and a compliant uh, manner? So we try to balance those three things. And I think over the years, we've learned how to do that pretty well with digital identity. Uh, and uh, we've spoken a little bit about digital identity in the past, but it is what defines who you are and what are you entitled to. And on that basis, technology can give you the keys to the kingdom, the ones that you sort of should have, and give you fast, easy access and do that securely and with compliance. And our customers are very delighted with this technology and what it allows them to accomplish. And you're the CEO, which we know. How, how do you think about the CEO role and, and your job and what you're supposed to be doing? Well, I really am the chief cook and bottle washer, and uh, I do the dishes as well. And uh, actually, it reminds me of the very first job I had during college. Well, actually, I did work as a, uh, as a, as a dishwasher. But, I, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a great job because it means I have the opportunity and the privilege to work with some terrific people. Uh, but also uh, dive into every aspect of the business, uh, all the way from talking to customers, uh, which is really where I get a lot of uh, wonderful information and a lot of clarity on uh, what we need to do for them. Uh, we then talk to our sales and marketing people to make sure that we are focusing our efforts properly for the benefit of our customers. And then, of course, work with our products people. Mm -hmm. uh, and that now really gets really exciting and innovative because that gives us kind of the closed loop. And frankly, there's one more element to the business that I find very important, which is how do we guide our customers to success, which is all about post-sales, all about implementation and value delivery. Uh, so those are really kind of the, you know, where I spend, those are the four areas where I spend my time throughout the day. Um, and it varies depending what's going on in, in you know, in our market, what's going on with our customers, and uh, <coughs> maybe what's going on with uh, with our business, but those are the four priorities in my professional life. I don't know if you caught this, but uh, maybe three weeks ago, so there was a clip going around. Elon Musk uh, was talking uh, about C CEOs and and uh, what he saw out there, and he said he thinks CEOs um, need to spend more time focusing on making amazing products and services and less time in the boardroom and with spreadsheets. What do you think about that? I think he's right. Uh, you know, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that is a, a part of every CEO's job to spend time with the board. Uh, but, you know, often that consumes a ton of time mm -hmm. 
Um, and, uh, and sometimes CEOs get very comfortable in doing just that. They get really good at it. They get very comfortable. The problem is the business is all about the customer mm-hmm. and the business is all about value to the customer. And that value is always a moving target. It's value today is uh, my yield success today, but that value tomorrow is going to be different. Uh, maybe not entirely different. Um, you could always build on the, on your value of yesterday, but you're pretty much guaranteed that from yesterday to today to tomorrow, that value has to elevate, right? And, and it will change. So um, I think cracking the code is something that uh, many CEOs say, wait, we cracked the code. Well, okay, now the code's just changed. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so true. And I think that is probably the CIO CEO's number one job is to understand when things are changing to when we have to do things differently because our customer needs are evolving. That's your job. Nobody else is going to do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And <laughs> you can do it a couple of ways. You could listen very carefully to customers and there are customers that are always, you know, very innovative and uh, have great ideas. And some of them are way ahead of the market, but some are just ahead enough. Uh, so you got to, you know, and some are, you know, maybe just treading water. There is a whole spectrum. So you got to listen to all of that and then discern um, w- what it is that's really needed in the near future, the medium and long-term future. Uh, I, I do have a challenge with CEOs that believe they know everything mm-hmm. and, uh, or CTOs that believe uh, they know everything and they know the future and then customers will just adopt it. Uh, I, I, I do not, uh, you know, I don't connect to that philosophy. I think you always want to connect with customers because they got specific needs and you should solve them. Yep. Yep. Well, I could ask you a billion questions about leadership and all that stuff, but let's, uh, let's talk about what your customers are dealing with right now. Um, and we know that one of the biggest things they're dealing with is the vaccine rollout. So getting uh, shots in arms and faci- helping their organization facilitate that with technology. Um, what are you hearing from your customers about how they're grappling with that um, as it impacts some of the things that they use you for? Yeah, yeah, great question. In fact, it, it proves the point of this discussion, this prior point we just made. Nobody, no one predicted COVID. No one expected it to show up, and here it is. And now you gotta, you know, adjust and pivot and shift to make sure that uh, even though no one saw it coming, um, what is it that your customers need? So customers, of course, now do need to get vaccines in people's arms. They need to do it. Um, not just in small scale, which we've seen start a number of months back, but now they got to do it in large scale and they got to do it efficiently and safely. Uh, And they have to record all of this uh, and it's got to be done with compliance. Uh, And a lot of these systems, you know, frankly, were never really designed to do that. Um, You know, there's talk about this digital, you know, vaccine uh, passport, right? Mm -hmm. Some form of it that countries around the world for example, have been talking about, well, what is that? Well, it doesn't really exist. I, you know, no one thought of this, uh, but there are systems that are in place that can help. But back to our customers, um, I do want to make a point that there's still an overhang. There still is an aftermath of 2020. A lot of our customers uh, had massive disruptions to their operations, uh, to their workforce, uh, to their financial systems as well. Uh, And I think it's important that we recognize all of that. Now, even though we have vaccines rolling out, 
that doesn't mean that we are out of the woods yet, that our customers are out of the woods yet. They still got to solve the problem of the past and dig themselves out of, you know, some challenges, including financial challenges. Um, so, yes, right now, vaccines are going out. They're still trying to figure out how to balance their books. Uh, but above all, it's getting these vaccines out efficiently to the right people. And how do you get the right people? Who do, who do you know who got the first dose and which version, which vaccine of dose number one did they get? Uh, was it the Moderna? Was it the, uh, you know, now they're going to get the second dose, right? Are they, is the timing right? Um, are they going to get the right second dose of what they had before? Um, so it's, it could be pretty, uh, you know, complex in front of our customers. And they're shifting through all of that. They're trying to sort through all of that now. Yeah, and there's a lot of identity issues there, right? I mean, vaccine distribution, you could be, because um, you're vaccinating people that uh, may not have been previously involved with your health system, and that may be a point of introduction to your health system. You want to perhaps capture that potential quote-unquote customer digitally. Um, you're creating a new identity for them. Thousands and tens of thousands of new accounts. Proof of vaccination, this digital wallet we're talking about. And then overall digital transformation, um, Every health system is working on that, trying to minimize paper, minimize in-person interactions. So thousands and thousands and thousands of digital identities. We know there have been issues around patient matching, making sure you have the right patient. Uh, where where are the things that you're doing come in to help? Yeah, it's uh, you're talking, I, you're right. Digital identity comes to the forefront all of a sudden. In fact, just a few days ago, uh, NIST and CISA, this is uh, NIST and I think the National Institute of Standards uh, and Technologies and CISA Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency sent out a note. And this was mostly around, frankly, the solar winds and but also the Microsoft hacks that we've seen recently. Uh, but they said something very material to, to this topic is that digital identity is crucial. If we had trusted digital identities, these events um, would have been better controlled, better identified. They might have even not have happened at the same level. So it's a really interesting article. It came out March 4th uh, by Jay Gasly, and uh, it's really worth reading. And they essentially call out what many of the leading thought vendors, uh, digital identity vendors, including Improvada, has been calling out. In the digital world, we don't know who's who. We don't have that driver's license, that drive, that trusted document that entitles you, right? That you've been tested, you've been certified. Now it's a privilege. You're entitled to drive a vehicle on the road. We can drive on the digital highways with no identity. And that's the problem. So how does this impact the patient side as they're about to go get a vaccine? Well, they are an unknown. Right. Uh, if you have some pre-existing conditions, you show up at a different institution that may be a little closer, maybe it's a pharmacy. They don't know if you're going to have a reaction. They don't know if you're the right person. They're giving you a jab and, uh, you know, you hope for the best. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're doing it in the blind. And frankly, I, it's kind of hard to blame them. That's the best they can do right now. But I think we can do better uh, as a country, as a technology uh, coalition of vendors, we can do better. What we've done at Improvada is we've really, really we've enabled uh, our, our partners 
with, uh, with high trust, uh, highly trusted digital identity for patients using your palm. So you show up, you put your palm down, your record comes up, uh, not that of your twin, <laughs> but your record comes up so they know who you are. Uh, they completely trust that and they can look up, hey, could you have, is this the right thing for you? Is this the right dose? Is this the right uh, vaccine, the right brand? And they give you uh, that jab. And that's the way it should be happening if you talk to the scientific community. Uh, so that's why we support, <coughs> that's why we support this uh, vaccine distribution process. I'd like to say that everybody's using that process. But in reality, um, we're not quite there yet. So it seems to be, I mean, the NIST article, I, I saw it, the one that, that you mentioned, um, they're pretty much saying it's, it's, it's identity. Um, identity is the way to go. Um, do you think that's a general consensus out there that that is an element of good security or the element? I mean, it's there are multi. It's a larger picture. Is it one element of a larger picture of good security? It's a very it's it is one element, but I would characterize it as a hyper crucial, uh, hyper critical element mm -hmm. of uh, not just security uh, but compliance and productivity. It, I, I actually look at it as uh, you know element is one way, but I think I prefer to look at it as a fabric. It is the, the fabric that connects, uh, that identifies us to the environment, giving us good, fast, secure access, uh, ensuring that we don't break cybersecurity controls and don't let the bad guys in, mm -hmm. um, come in and do things you know, on our behalf, masquerading as Gus Malezes. And it's also something that absolutely addresses compliance. So um, digital identity has been viewed in the past in a very narrow manner, also has been viewed as a concern of privacy, right? In our country here where privacy is very, very, uh, you know, much respected and, and, a, and a topic of discussion and concern, um, you know, digital identity has kind of taken a bit of a backseat. And what NIST is saying, we completely subscribe to, you need to put that capability in motion because it's gonna help your productivity, it'll help your cybersecurity, and it will help your compliance and privacy. Do you see um, organizations out there struggling to deal with a fragmented market? Are, are there components and, and many organizations have tried to piece this together? Uh, that's a great point. Um, that's a really great point, uh, Anthony. You know, the, the digital identity technology, the vendor space is highly fragmented. There are very few solution vendors in digital identity. In fact, most of them are individual component vendors. And in fact, when I look at that, that world, there's hundreds of these vendors. So if you're a customer, if you're a major IDN or even the small hospital around the corner in, um, you know, uh, in, in small town America, you're confronted with a puzzle that is very challenging. Uh, it's like you're gonna run to your local hardware store pick up a bunch of pieces and build out a uh, rocket ship, um, right? You know, a kind of level of complexity you're dealing with. So frankly, I think the industry has done a disservice. The vendor industry has done a disservice to the customer base. Um, but Improvada sees that as the opportunity. Uh, and uh, our strategy has been to build best of class uh, components, but integrate them into a solution so that the customer can plug and play 
and get up and running very quickly. And we've had a great deal of success with that. So you you did a acquisition late last year, a company called Fair Warning. Was that an effort to provide that you know, end-to-end solution, you take a piece outside of what you were offering, said, we want to offer a full suite, so we need to plug this in? Precisely. That's precisely right. And in fact, uh, I'll I'll paint a little bit of a picture here. Um, Just as much as you got a lot of fragmentation in the vendor community, there is no really good guidance of what a digital identity strategy should look like for, for, you know, for customers. If you are, you know, again, uh, an IDN or a small hospital in a in small town America, how do you know what that is? Um, so um, Improvata took the step of building a digital identity framework and architecture, right? That you can look at with a bunch of columns and boxes um, that, and we released that to the market uh, about a year ago uh, to great, great uh, reaction. It's not about products, it's about all the pieces you need and how they need to work together. So now customers have a view of what they need. So in that, you know, digital identity framework, and by the way, if you want a copy of that, just jump to the website, improvata.com, you'll see it, the diff, it's easy to pull it down, feel free to, uh, you know, to use that. Um, But the the point about that is to provide an architecture for a digital identity infrastructure, you know, that fabric that connects productivity to cybersecurity and compliance. And frankly, we haven't seen that from any other vendor. So we think that the industry is behind, but there is some goodness there in what's available so far. Uh, we have a set of solutions that were lacking reporting and privacy analytics. So if you look at that diff as an example, and uh, you know we're happy to kind of share you know the visual graphic, you have a set of columns. One of the things that was missing was reporting and analysis on privacy events for patients. And we wanted to, um, uh, to close that gap. So that was part of the fair warning acquisition. Um, and, uh, you know, for those who are more technical, let me sort of describe that a, a little, you know, a little differently. You know, our customers use our batch app, one sign, um, which is a single sign-on and they batch up into a system. And that's the keys to the kingdom, right? That's the front door lock and key system to the kingdom. Well, before you can give people keys, we also believe that you should know who you're giving it to. (laughs) You should know who you're giving it to, why you're giving it to them, and what exactly they should be able to do with it. And that's called identity governance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're now seeing two pillars here appear. You've got uh, the digital identity access system, which is one sign. You've got the identity governance, which tells you what you should be able to do. But once you've got these two things, then you got to circle back and say, okay, is this user doing the right stuff? All right. We're giving them the keys to the kingdom. We think we're giving them the right stuff, but are they doing the right things? That's what fair warning allows us to do. allows us to dive deep into all those user actions to make sure that we truly understand what they're not doing with those keys and identify any issues. Were you hearing from your customers uh, something to the effect of, hey, it would be great if you were able to provide this piece, the reporting and and the other issues that you mentioned. And you hear something like that enough and you go, eh, maybe maybe we should think about it. We did, as a matter of fact. You know, we always have uh, ideas and quite often they come from customers. Quite often, that, you know, they come from maybe some of our technical innovators. But we always validate with customers one way or another. And uh, we've known for a warning for many, many, many years. We love the technology. We love what they did with customers. 
love the business, frankly, and the people. And uh, after, you know, sort of uh, every year we get together at Chime or Hymns and we say, hey, we should do something together. Uh, and customers are always supportive of that. So when we did it, when we made the acquisition, we reached out to customers that were joined and say, here's why we did it. They were all ecstatic. Mm. Well, collapsing the stack, fewer vendors for customers mm-hmm. to deal with, integration out of the box, interoperability out of the box. And customers were pleased that not only can they get better purchasing power here, but they get systems that are interoperable, work better together. And when something breaks, they have one vendor to go to to ensure rapid return to functionality. Yeah, we've seen in in, uh, healthcare IT before um, acquisitions, mergers, where the hopes for underlying integration, it didn't happen never happened. I can think of companies in the past. Um, How do you make sure that doesn't happen? Do you just say, hey, guys, get to work. This is what we want to do. Now we got to do it because the day you acquire the company, that work's not done. That work's got to be done, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's many, many acquisitions. And frankly, there's a lot of companies in the technology space where they're well known. They have an infamous, (laughs) infamous where good companies go off to. Right. You know, I, I, I think die is a, is a more dire word here. But yes, uh, well, we're not that company. We, we really do have a strategy of that integration. And we made sure we bring things in just not to run them as a portfolio company, but to truly add the one plus one equals four. With fair warning, just to tell you another kind of give you some more visibility on our interest is, you know, fair warning collects information about what's happening uh, relative to patient access patient information. And, what, and so they collect a lot of data, right? So fair warning and all that class of technology, fair warning and its competitors, if you will, collect hordes and hordes of data, lots of data. And that data is doubling every few years. And the very first thing that they got to do in order to make sense of this data, right? And once they collect this data, the very first thing they got to do is ask the question, who is doing these actions? Mm-hmm. Who is the who? Who is the actor? And uh, and trying to answer that question is a very complex task the way the industry has been doing it. Well, Improvata solves this immediately because we have one sign, we have digital identity for the provider. We also have patient secure, which is digital identity for the patient. We can immediately and definitively, without any argument, answer the question of who is the provider, who is the patient. So, you know, things like artificial intelligence and other heavy forms of computing that were thrown at this bulk of data to answer the question of who gets answered immediately with good, clean data. That's beyond, beyond question. The last question that gets asked is, uh, is also a material question here that again, all of these companies struggle with, including for a warning, by the way, which is that once you've answered the who and you look and see what this individual is doing, then you want to say, okay, this is strange, but is that part of their profile? Should they actually be doing these things? And how do you answer that? Uh, very, I mean, this is fuzzy logic stuff. Uh, the way we like to answer it is with definitive data that says, you know, Dr. Gus is entitled to do these things and entitled to look at these patients. And we have that technology with identity governance. So again, you know, this is the, the reason that the fair warning acquisition made sense both from an integration perspective, but also the fact that we can map data and then answers two critical questions that they really couldn't answer particularly well. Uh, the whole industry can't. 
So yeah, that's why customers see this as a one plus one equals really four, maybe even five. Um, you know, very you know, very um, high value output. An acquisition like this, uh, any move like this as a business, uh, does it make sense to say it's an? Uh, we're always working as a business. You're always working to make yourself more unique as a value proposition, right? So. You, you look out and you say, how can we further differentiate ourselves from our competitors? You know, everyone says they have no competitors, but we want that to be true as a business, right? So how do we become our own entity at a good value to people who need us? Um, I would imagine, again, that's also part of this. It's part of continuing that separation. Does that yeah. make sense? I, it, it absolutely does. How do, how do we become better than our competitors? Right. I, I actually prefer to say, let's keep an eye on competitors, but our ears and our eyes should all be on the customer. If we can be a better partner to the customer, then by definition, we've done something better than our competitors have. So, you know, we, we prefer to, you know, focus on the customer versus the competitor versus the differentiation. Not to say that we don't have those discussions, but what always comes on top is how do we be a better partner to our customers? How do we build that loyalty and the value delivery? And if we do that, then we're probably in a stronger relationship than anybody else. Well, I got one for you here. So what about what I'll call the Steve Jobs uh, issue? And by that, I mean, if you listen to your customers, you're going to be limited by their vision. You know, Steve Jobs, uh, he built the iPhone. He built something that people didn't even know they wanted or needed. And I tell anybody who asked me, I said, that's one in a million. You can't run a business like Steve Jobs. That's one off. Otherwise, you have to do what you're saying, which is keep an eye on your competitors. And I always do listen to your customers. But there's that Steve Jobs thing that says there's something beyond even that. Yeah. 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 I Look, it's kind of hard to argue. I mean, there's Elon Musk. You mentioned Elon Musk earlier where he wants to go to Mars and take people to Mars. And people want to go to Mars, right? You know, uh, there's nothing green there. There's no water. There's no flowing. There's no atmosphere to speak of. But Elon wants to go to Mars, right? And, you know, is something going to stop Elon from going to Mars? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I actually think personally he's he's going to make it. You know, the question is, do we all want to go to Mars, right? Do right. we want to follow Steve Jobs? I, I do think that you can never go wrong listening to your customers. Yeah. Um and uh, you should have a vision for the future, right? Um, sometimes customers think need things today, uh, need things to solve practical problems that, are, that they're facing today. And you gotta take that in. And there are customers that are always looking more forward. And, uh, uh, and I think it's important to listen to all these groups of customers and then chart that path forward. I think to say that we know better than customers is a little brash. Mm -hmm more than a little brash. And that's not our philosophy. Healthcare has brilliant people. Um, and uh, we're just delighted working with them. And we we have a great, we get a great deal in that relationship. Yeah, it's that, that listening uh, to multiple customers. And then what I would say is it's where, what are the patterns? Where am I hearing things from multiple people? Oh, that sounds like something they said over there. And now I'm hearing it again over here. All right, now we got something, right? It's some of that. Well, cloud is an example of that. You know, if I were to turn the clock back, say, two years ago, um, you know, the industry in many areas outside of healthcare 
was adopting more cloud services. And healthcare was a little more concerned about safety, about privacy, about disconnect from the internet, right? There could be some sort of an mm-hmm. event that uh, a hurricane, a weather condition, uh, or uh, you know, backhoe cutting off the internet. And there is that, hey, if I lose the internet, how do I access patient records if that's where they are on the other side of that connection? They're very, very accurate about it, right? It's not as if they can tell the patient, hey, just come back in two weeks, pause for a second, right? So, so healthcare has some very unique you know, considerations. And uh, we always design solutions knowing that if our stuff doesn't work, um, patients fall out of bed. And if we design with that in mind, then we'll design it the right way where that never happens. If we forget and ignore that reality, um, then we'll have a problem. Um, so, so, but cloud is being adopted more and more. And in fact, we ourselves are moving faster into the cloud because we can deliver more solutions to the customer faster without waiting for them to do upgrades on their own. We can do it for them as the experts. Uh, and we're working very closely with all the EHR EMR vendors so that that is a well-coordinated um, transition. Uh, before A couple of more quick questions, and then I want to let you go. Um, what's your favorite method for hearing from customers, you personally? Well, I, I reach out to them. Um, you know, I reach out to them uh, in a variety of ways, one-on-one. Uh, one, uh, they all have my cell phone number. And they know that, uh, first of all, if there's an issue, uh, if there's a problem, or if they think we can do something better, I'd love nothing better than on a Saturday night, you know, watching football. It doesn't matter what it is to get a phone call. Mm-hmm. If it's something that's troubling the customer, I want them to call me because the chances are I can actually do something about it. Uh, right. And I don't care what time of the day it is. Uh, I know they work 24 seven. So um, that's my job and I, I, I enjoy it. Um, but we have more structured ways, right? I reach customers on a one-on-one basis. Uh, we reach them when we did that fair warning acquisition. We swept through about, you know, all of their customers uh, and ours. We also do executive customer councils where we get together and we talk about the here, the now, as well as the future. Uh, but, you know, pretty much any which way a customer wants to reach me. Uh, you know, my email is easy. It's Gus, G-U-S. <laughs> In Provada, yeah. uh, and I'm the only guest set in Provada, so you're guaranteed it will come to me. Uh, and I'd love to hear from them. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, definitely a key to success. Last question before I let you go: Re- the tea leaves, the future. What are you? What are you thinking? Where, where's? I mean, I know you're not going to tell me about the next acquisition. Maybe there is one. Maybe there isn't. But as we said, the CEO's job, your job. You're listening to the customers. You you have to. The, to be ready in two years, you can't start in two years. You have to start now. So you have to figure out where are things going and say, hey, we need to start looking into this, investigating this, developing this, start checking out the market. I want to pick this up. I want this piece in our in our uh, offering. We're missing this. So whatever you can give me that, that might be of interest to your customers about what you're thinking. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll answer that in two ways. One, uh, you know, h- how does the vision and the strategy, you know, progress into the future? Uh, and I, I know our senior leaders at our customer base always care about, hey, what's your vision? What's your strategy? 
where are you going with this? Mm-hmm. And then what are some of the sort of, you know, uh, maybe more near term, more, you know, interesting, unique, tactical things. First of all, uh, on vision and strategy, it is about digital identity and leveraging digital identity as that binding fabric mm-hmm. for productivity and reducing burnout with providers, ensuring that we have good cybersecurity and God knows we need it with everything that's going on right, right now. And that shows no, you know, it doesn't show to be abating in any way. And then of course, compliance, because we know we got the compliance uh, responsibility. So, you know, our, our vision is always going to be very centered around digital identity and patient privacy. Um, now, major investments um, are in areas around this. Uh, by the way, that's the DIF, the digital identity framework. So, um, you know, I think if you just look at that, you'll see where we need to strengthen things. So maybe, you know, privilege access management is one area that you'll see us act on, uh, but advanced biometrics, uh, facial recognition, uh, the, this is still an area where there's a lot of debate about privacy, but there are some customers that want to use it in very set specific ways where they thought it through and they said, on this basis, I want to be able to give a better experience and I want to see someone walking in. I want to guide them um, and I want to use facial recognition or maybe a palm or a combination of things. So biometrics is a big area uh, for us. Analytics, data analytics is another big area for us. Uh, you know, we generate a lot of data, Our customers generate a lot of data, and there's a wealth of conclusions that could be derived out of that data. And, and Improvada has not really had a thorough reporting and analytics product. With fair warning, now we do. So mm-hmm. we're going to continue to build that up, and we have a ways to go. So uh, defragmenting, you know, digital identity space, there's still a lot of fragmented uh, things that you got to go do, um, investing more in cloud. So these are really the themes um, that we're investing in, none of which compromise that easy, invisible nature of our technology, right? That, that uh, you know, that, that iconic, invisible batch app or fingerprint that will always continue to work. Um, and uh, by the way, a couple of other areas, there's mobility, and medical devices. Medical devices are big. We hear lots and lots about that. Yes, medical devices are big, and the FDA started to spend more energy and time and attention on securing those devices because they're not, uh, you know, these devices are still legacy. Yeah. And, uh, they're not connecting more and more. Uh, but mobility, everybody wants to be more efficient. They want to use, you know, the smartphone or a tablet, uh, just like all of us, you know. Mm-hmm where else and they want to be and it can be more more productive more functional with these all right gus that was a wonderful chat uh, it's always fun to speak to you it sounds like you're having fun and i'm glad to see that's uh, continuing and um it's been great you know it's a pleasure we have the privilege of working with an incredible group of professionals this is in our customers and we're, we are just so blessed to see them doing what they're doing for their communities, especially in this pandemic. And that, that really empowers us to do, you know, every little bit and go above and beyond in helping them. So it never feels like hard work. I mean, yes, it is, but we're delighted to be doing it. All right. Well, thank you. And I hope you don't get too many calls on a Saturday night, but uh, you brought it on yourself. So I don't want- <laughs> All right, Gus. Thank you. You have a great day. Thanks, Harry.